um, to fit in with the form. And, yeah. and sometimes that works really well. Right. So, for example, that line about um, Larry's, uh, his farmer's market haggling yeah. is something about yeah. just having to, having to, you know, so, something that could be quite a long line, you know, he haggled at farmer's markets or, he, you know, it's like you, ha you have to go for the most uh, brevity that you yeah. can. And I yeah. think that is quite good. Um, so I think in in that sense, in that sense of like forcing brevity and and compactness, I yeah. think the haiku form does help. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think I would be interested to see it in like a haibun form with maybe longer alternating prose descriptions. Right. Um, but maybe not so much like, you know, one haiku and then. A, a description like you know almost like a gloss on the poem you know mm -hmm. but uh yeah. yeah yeah i get i mean i definitely like i'm not because of well i mean obviously like what there's you know there's the rest of it um for other scratch nights but that's that is i mean i'm glad i'm glad that i rem like put that question down there because that is one of the more important questions which is like if the haiku is not sir sometimes the haiku is serving the material but definitely i feel like sometimes it's not and if there are ways that i can do it creatively while keeping within the tradition then that would be like ideal you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. Uh, what's a ranga what's a ranga please um it's a sort of long collaboratively written um japanese verse form Right. Alternating um, haiku length verses and tonka length verses, um, usually written by a group of people where each person will offer a verse for each section mm -hmm. and um, and then, you know, the, the group will decide which which verse goes in the official sort of final version of the renga. Um, <laughs> And how do you spell these things? R-A-N-G-A? Yes, R-E-N-G-A. And then the tonka, how do you spell that? T-A-N-K-A. So, like like the trucks with an A instead of an O. Thank you. I'm really curious, Erin, why you are just such a wild rock and roll girl on your motorcycle. And I am just so curious, like, it's wonderful, the, the, the tight structure, but I'm just, you're, you're just such a creative and you're just like <laughs> bursting at the seams. I guess I'm wondering why you are, you decided on the haiku. You know, it's funny, like I was saying this to um, this, my, my students last night, cause like we had a reading party and I, my class is totally form-based. Like we're, we're doing Villanelles and Sestinas and I'm teaching them how to scan poems and like be like, oh, like this, you know, like this is a foot and in this kind of foot is a trochee and this kind of foot and like all the old fashioned stuff that like people yeah. think is boring and stuff like that. But yeah. my, so I, I, and then instead of, but instead of reading they instead of reading one of my things that's like more formal, I showed them that 
um, that thing of me with the microphone made out of a broom and the, br the hairbrush and like, and the tambourine and I and at like that was on Monday and then in, we had class last night and I was like I'm so sorry like I know I'm teaching you all this form and stuff but like and then I showed you something that has absolutely nothing to do with form whatsoever you broke out the reason I like form is is it'll make so much sense to you when I say it is because yeah. I'm such an anarchist personality Indeed. The blank page scares me. Like <laughs> it's too much. But if I have like I have um I have sonnet form worksheets and I have blank verse worksheets because as if I have a form that it makes me feel safe to like mm. write what and then I can go screwing around like yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? But but to begin with, like I feel like it helps contain like mm. all my various personality disorders. All the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all my various personality disorders is a, is a line on its own. <laughs> well well said, Aaron. Thank you. Totally Please use that line. Please use that line. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's 9 05. Um I think we should probably just take a break and oh, okay. and obviously stop talking about my stuff. And then we'll go to open mic. I didn't make a list. Um, and so we'll just kind of go um, like, you know, we'll do the open mic in kind of a loose way and say we'll come back like is in 10 minutes, like at 9.15. Is that okay oh. with everybody? Yeah. Thank you. This was brilliant. Coming just back. really helpful because I was really needing navigation with this. And like you total like lecture demonstration and thanks, you know, it just... It, well, it, thanks. And again, like it's a, this is the, this is the test run so yeah, like we just did on the spot right. like with realizing that cam is recording anyway right. <laughs> I, I i think it's it's really it, the, the questions that you asked were totally spot on and so that's sort of the key yeah. to the whole yeah. game is that knowing what feedback yeah. you want and being able to direct it and that it was it it worked so i mean it was they were exactly the right questions so uh, i challenge everybody the next time we do it to just like really spend time on how you want to direct the conversation because i feel like this was incredibly productive mm -hmm. right and i think that um i think it was lisa who suggested that maybe the questions get sent out beforehand yeah. and so that's absolutely mm. possible for me to do so um, maybe you don't want to, like, you, I, you know, maybe, but, but if you do, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think mm -hmm. that's definitely something that <laughs> I mean, like definitely a good, I think it's a good idea, but maybe somebody's performance, they don't want anybody to know anything about it before, you know what I mean? They don't want to give anything away, but Surprise so depend on, yeah. So it would depend on like what, what the person is actually going to be sh like show, like scratching with us. Mm. So. All right, so I right, am going to go buy a bottle of wine, and I'll be back in ten Start. minutes. <laughs> all right, I will unplug us so that you guys can we can all talk without worrying about everyone listening. <laughs> There's that, and I'll say, hey, Mutiny Radio listening audience, we're gonna we're gonna be right back here on Mutiny Radio. Let me mute that for them. 
All right. Yeah, this is that was um, the first hour. Just so everybody knows, it's 2.07, so we're in the Some Call Me Tim hour. There was uh, no... There was a different time change in Glasgow, Scotland, so that was different for us. We don't get to hear LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth, today. Super sad face. But she'll be back next week at noon, and we'll do a real AltaCast. We're going to be back after these messages from Mutiny Radio with the open mic portion of Choose Poetry, Choose Life, this week in the middle of Some Call Me Tim, which is great. So, AltaCast, we had an hour of Bug House Square. Then we did the scratch poetry with Aaron Gannon, and I really enjoyed those poems and all that feedback. And then now we're in Some Call Me Tim. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Thanks for being with us. Please enjoy... Please enjoy this music, and uh, and we'll be right back. Me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two people's paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, 
Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. San Francisco, what are you doing this week? Come join Mutiny Radio Presents for four different comedy shows supporting local businesses in the Mission District and beyond. On Sunday, join us in the Tenderloin at Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary, for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento. And 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy. Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at 7 o'clock, join us outside MutinyRadio.fm here at 21st and Florida. 7 o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th in Alabama for Titans of Comedy every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hey, keep supporting local businesses and comedy here in San Francisco with your friends at Mutiny Radio. St. Valentine's Day Mascara streaming live on Facebook Sunday, February 14th 11 a.m. An International Affair hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnal comfort? Are you longing for some lecherous lines? Is it seduction from a sultry song that you seek in? Or would you rather be ravished by a villain and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical libertine? Or could this wanton wordsmith maybe look an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one-on-one? St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. 14th of February 2021. 11am PST. Facebook Live. A date for everyone. Hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes. 
which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission a leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. L-S-D, FAP, acid and fapping, fapping and acid, acid and fapping, fapping and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. What is flat black plastic what could it be it's exactly what you think it is flat black plastic vinyl records round played mixed all for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. This is Tuchel Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! My name is Breakfast. And I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to 
create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. Choose Poetry, Choose Life, the open mic portion. We're in the middle of some Call Me Tim. And we're going to get started with the poetry from Glasgow, Scotland. We know that Aaron Gannon is out in the world in Glasgow getting a bottle of wine. And we're going to get started with that. I'm going to hook everybody in. We'll be with you in just a sec. Thanks for hanging in there. For Choose Poetry, Choose Life today on Some Call Me Tim. Plugging us back in. Conversations going live. Conversations going live, kids. Here we go. Did I mute myself for them? Nope, they can hear me. All right, here we go. You're all live now. Yay. Yay, and then yay. As we all know, Jamie right. is our musical guest today. And I don't know if Jamie wants to go right now or whether he wants to finish off the show for us. It depends on what you are feeling like, darling. How do you feel? Who, who, who are we Hi. talking to? Oh, there um, we go. I'm, I'm good. How's everybody else feeling? Yay! Do you want me to sing just now? Do you want to, do you want to keep going with the poetry? Should we have Jamie go now, you guys? I'm, I'm happy with either. I've literally, I've literally <laughs> yeah, okay. logged yeah. on at this time <laughs> for this. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. All right. Uh, so we're spotlighting Jamie and take it away, my friend. Okay, first thing. And I'm thank you for being here. Right. Take your time.
strike um, the first track I'm going to do then oh, rid of that. <laughs> um, the first track I'm going to do is um, is one called um, Drowning Just having some audio issues with Jamie, can't hear it. So we're going to wait till that comes through and listen to a little Copay in the interim.
Right, so excuse me. I should have taken my cup of tea over beside me. Whoa. Um, Jamie, there seemed like at first yeah, it was like it was really low. Did you do something in the middle of the song to make it up? Because in the middle I made you co-host it, it sort of fixed itself. Oh, did it get low though then, did it? Yeah, it got Th low. Does it sound low enough now? You're, you sound fine now, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's um, really loud there. Everything's okay, great. Um, Try a next, this next one is called um, a Masks.
you done? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more, but I'll go into the, uh, I'll go into guitar for this one. Okay. While you're doing that, I'm going to read this for the purposes of people in San Francisco. Jamie McCormick is a singer, songwriter, and published poet living in the northeast of Scotland. Their songs range from serious and soul-searching, as you have just heard, to self-deprecating and satirical, but with a constant underlying theme of great hair. Uh, yes. Pre-plague, <laughs> they could be seen all over, and it is fabulous fucking hair. Pre-plague. <laughs> They could be seen all over Scotland at Pride and music festivals performing their eclectic mix of music and in exciting stage shows, employing elaborate costuming and choreography and a healthy dose of humor. During Lurgy lockdown, they can, see, they can mostly be seen on Zoom in pajamas, but still with fabulous hair. <laughs> I have that last bit, but it's true. And coffee ears to make as well. <laughs> Just for the hell of it. Right, that'll do. It's close enough for jazz. It's a real shame I'm not a jazz musician. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, right, so so far it's been quite depressing, so I reckon we should get really fucking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's called uh, Dark Matter. Led to the Big Bang. 
the spark of light that led to the beginning. Okay, so I guess now we um, open it to the open mic. Who would like to go first for open mic? Do we got anybody? Somebody raising their hand. Beth, is that you? No. Leslie, was that you? I could go, I guess. She said. She said. I'm looking. I'm trying to look for the. I can go. I should get off. Um. I should take. Well, we could look at Jamie all night, but I'm taking the spotlight away. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> I could go. It's long. Okay. Go ahead. Oh God. Okay. I've never read this. This one's called Rock and Roll Love. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean to say when you say you love me? Rock and roll love tells me you will die for me. We sing, we shout out the anthems. Yeah, baby, I will climb the highest mountain for you. Ain't no mountain high enough. You sing them boldly, the songs of rock and roll, when you say you will die for me. I hear the lyrics when you say you will climb the highest, highest, highest mountain for me. What, what does this mean? You will tear your hair out for me, rip your chest open for me to expose your bare and valiant thumping heart that beats only for me and I honor you. I honor you, but what the fuck do you mean? I'm bleeding here. Will you buy me tampons? Go to the store incognito as hell, head up down in a you don't see me mode, humbled by public embarrassment, sent mm -hmm. off in a public manner to rescue your woman from being swept away by her monthly blood? This, my friend, is the real deal. This is love. I'm puking here in the toilet bowl with too much wine on my knees and doubled over, buckled up with heaving. Will you hold my hair back while I hurl? Will you hold my purse for me, patient as a saint and unmanly? 
while I try on each pretty glittering scarf? Will you hold me when I wake in the night, frightened and shake for no reason other than the cloud of my own death that has passed across me as I slept and I cower from the inevitability of it, the finality of it, and am terrified? This, my friend, is love. It's January 3rd, my mother's birthday today. Marjorie was her name. She would be very old. Always, she said to my father, you talk a good life and never finish the thought because she knew what she meant when she said this. This was her cryptogram, her gripped cryptogram that finally I learned to understand. He did not. It stayed that way. As a poet, how he honored her, how he held her up as no other, the queen of heaven that she was, she really was. The subject in my father's poetry, the object of my father's poetry, the queen of, queen of heaven that she was, but he did not dance with her. He never danced with her. Arms folded, stubborn, he said, dancing is for sissies, and instead, stylish fag hag that she was back in that day, she danced with her gay friends who loved her best for her flaws and her imperfections and her style. Oh, baby, she had style. Oh, Marjorie, you do go on, her gay friend said, and she did. Jitterbug, Marjorie, rock and roll girl and her soul, all she wanted was to dance with him, my father. Blinded by the false light of perfection in awe of the radiance of the ideal, he withheld his body pressing next to hers, the rhythm held together in the pleasure of public display, the physical expression of the music, and they never, ever danced. What she meant to say to him, what she wanted to say to him was, what do you mean when you say you love me? Love to her, her expression of love was only ever about the dance. He slept with her next to her in their bed for 48 years. He did not know this. Why didn't he know this? The saints in their glass boxes, I am not that. We are not that. You look at their faces, faces so pliant and lovely, so willing to love you and forgive you all your sins, frozen in their holiness, held in place for all time, imprisoned by their halos, bound by the folds of their virgin blue robes, over bright lights, holding them in thrall, casting the long shadows of doubt, of shame, of sins, of forgiveness, forgiveness of wrongs committed falsely on their behalf, in their name, not understanding, misunderstanding love and what it is to be truly holy. And what lies beneath the robes? Straw to hold the form or roughed out wood beneath the robes, a mere suggestion of shape and form, a mere hint of holy, lovely nakedness beneath the virgin blue robes, unfinished by the artist because holy virgins don't have bodies. It represents only a, represent, a representation, only the illusion, the stand-in for holiness, the material object. It is simply the symbol. It is us who fill in the blanks, us who see that which is unseen as we will. Holy virgins don't have bodies, only faces. Rock and roll love. Am I the whore this time or the virgin? You tell me. Under my, under my thumb, brown sugar. So many songs about the naughty girl, the whore, sanctified rock and roll, the songs about the glorious, sassy whore, sacred as the virgin, the flip side of the virgin, just different, 
I am neither the virgin nor the whore. I am not neither and not both. Either side of the balance of either side, neither. I am complicated and just as human as you, just as flawed, just as confused, just as fragile, lonely, and lovely, glorious in all my imperfections as you. There is no perfection, only being. Across town in their metal boxes, the sassy girls dance cage-like animals, their faces unseen as a virgin's body. You don't see them, headless, faceless. All you see is their bodies. You look at their bodies. I am neither the saint nor the whore. We are neither the whore nor the saint. The virgin frozen in her glass box, painted and perpetually suffering. The dancing women held captive in her go-go cage, ecstatic pain stiff on her face. We are neither the whore nor the saint. It's not for you to look and to name and to capture in song, represent in stone or wood, idealize in paintings or lyrics. It is for us, ourselves, to name ourselves, to represent ourselves, to change and to shift, to be, to evolve as we will. It is for us to be ourselves free. That is what my mother taught me. This is to Marjorie, the rock and roll song my mother loved best was. Girls just want to have fun. That's it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and then yay! Yay! I think my mama would like that poem. I do. <laughs> I was just listening to Cindy the other day. I had to explain like how like there's that whole theory that Madonna kind of ruined Cindy Lauper's career. Yeah, like, there is that theory. <laughs> <laughs> right. But anyways. Uh -huh. She wrote some a bit the other, but the problem was with Cindy is she was way more idiosyncratic and she wrote a lot of her own music. Right. You know what I mean? So I liked about her a lot. So did my mother. My mother listened. She loved my taste in rock and roll. She says, who is that listening to? She loved Dan Hicks and his hot legs. Oh, Do you remember wow. them? And yeah. that Lickettes, they're from San Francisco. She loved Dan Hicks. I went and saw him actually. And she she would like, what are you listening to? She was so prim and proper. What are you listening to now? But there she was, that rock and roll girl inside. So anyhow. <laughs> oh my God. All right, it's John's turn. What have we got for us, John? Oh, well, my background is uh, a replica of Thoreau's cabin at, at Walden Pond. And the, the, of course, the, the, real, the real site had, you know, like rocks and stuff, stones piled up. And I went to add a stone and knocked them all over. So there you go. Um, all right. This is called An Evening Not Unlike the Others. The night they killed the dogs, I finished a 22-hour shift at the Army Crabgrass Warfare Station in Suitland, Maryland. I've always believed idleness is the devil's lunch pail, so I foreswore snacking on furious cookies and sharpened all the mechanical pencils under the grand portrait of Ho Chi Minh, whose wispy beard hung like a MiG-17 contrail from his chin. Before starting the bleary ride home, I snuck a Samantabhadra from the chocolate-covered Buddha and Bodhisattva assortment and parade marched with my co-workers through the decontamination station. 
Outside, a very long satellite skewered stars that glittered like spilled sugar on the velvet tablecloth of night. Pausing in the parking lot, I said a brief prayer for the cosmonaut trapped inside with only vodka and blood sausage. Through my surplus night vision goggles, I located the infrared reflection from my Toyota Raptor's radar absorbing finish. The ground crew had stenciled a small wheelchair below the driver's side window with the others, even though CENTCOM had yet to confirm the kill. After arming the heat-seeking missiles and cracking the breeder valve to start the flow of nitrous oxide, I fired up the Pratt and Whitby hybrid tuber fans and set the throttle for a super cruise by stabbing the big red button that fired the gatling gun until my index finger glue blisters. I kept my path clear of slow-moving vehicles. Within minutes, I roared through the Cooperstown speed trap before my sonic boom alerted Sheriff Johnson by shattering his contact lenses and sending his wide-brimmed hat tumbling into the sugar cane. As usual, the parishioners at St. John the Blasphemer were lashing a catamite priest to the rack with bicycle chains and they raised their torches and pitchforks and salute after my tracer rounds mowed down the Sunday school class and set fire to the big cross. I turned left on Elm and pulled into my driveway where the drag shoot car within millimeters of the garage door from the cockpit. I heard wind chimes sing songs to the god of upright demons as I disarmed the missiles. I'd become more conscientious with the heavy firepower since my homeowner's insurance had stopped paying. I climbed out of the car and skipped toward the front porch. Violent petunias brandished M16s and swung machetes at my ankles and I made my way through the thicket of botanical experiments gone horribly wrong. Wearing a sweater that clung like plastic wrap, my Filipina mail order bride met me inside the front door where I inspected her post office box for signs of illegal entry. It wouldn't be the first time her thighs had been known to bankrupt captains of industry and lead KGB agents to their doom before I could take clay impressions of the scratches on the lock. The jeweler's loop fell from my eye and she dragged me to the dining room where a macaroni and trees casserole sprouted from the white pine table. At least I wouldn't need a toothpick after dinner. Um, the salad tastes like a briefcase of $100 bills, I said, reasoning that flattery could prove the key to her chastity belt. An old friend left me the recipe. She dialed the combination of the wall safe. Care for some more? It's a little rich for me. How about some cheesecake? I had to use tofu to remove the desert dessert from the Norge. Wombats ate the gorgonzola again. Wombats, our kitchen was infested with them. I could deal with a platypus in the bathtub and the bandicoots in the toaster, but the wombats strained my patience like an enlarged prostate. The monthly bills for their imported grass and chocolate biscuits ran to over $300. Resolving to remedy the situation, I fed my uneaten salad to a koala in the garbage disposal and retired to the living room. A volume of Julio Cortisol's stories lay unread on the coffee table but the Argentine writer always left me feeling stressed. Fortunately, the public TV station was showing the Mercury Player's adaptation of Immanuel Kant's critique of pure reason when Orson Welles began his monologue on the a priori knowledge 
to space and time, I heard the unmistakable drone of a C-130 flying overhead. Moments later, the first schnauzer landed on the corrugated roof. I snatched a nuclear umbrella from the elephant foot and dashed outside into a rain of Pembroke corgis, Rottweilers, and Yorkshire Terriers. A Newfoundland thudded like a hamburger-filled hefty bag onto the driveway and coated the concrete with pet dander. Its dying lips curled to reveal fangs that had yellowed as if they been fed an exclusive diet of coffee and tobacco. The petunias fired assault rifles wildly into the air, making the scene resemble Desert Storm Baghdad without the domes and minarets. A lucky round cut the C-130 in the starboard engine, and the big plane crashed into the neighbor's duplex, taking out the treehouse, swing set, and sugar refinery in the process. Snarls and gunshots came from the cargo hold as the captives fought the flight veterinarian in a desperate struggle for survival. Within minutes, the victorious canines descended the cargo ramp and scratched on the Anderson's picture windows in hopes of Purina dog chow, topol smoker's tooth polish, and cozy spots on the living room carpet. The satellite passed overhead, this time resembling a fish hook caught in the ear of an unsuspecting moon. I yawned and stretched, and it was only nine o'clock, but with so little excitement, I went to bed. Oh, John, dude, what a ride, man. That was so cool. <laughs> no Geppetto today. I'm bummed. I thought Geppetto was in every poem. Where's Geppetto? Yeah, I, Geppetto. I, I miss Geppetto. Geppetto needs a whole new book, I think, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, oh, that was great. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> oh, so we, uh, we need to, because we have not seen Fiona Jane Brown in a while. And <gasps> Fiona like Jane Brown! Yay. yay, Fiona came back. She's the prodigal daughter. She came back. She came back to us. So, hello. Hello. Take it away. I, I've been really, really busy with college, and uh, I've got so much uh, law research in my head, I stopped being able to write poetry, so... This is an old one that I've never performed here before, and it's in Scots. It's in our dialect of Scots, Doric. Um, I don't think I'll watch myself in a spotlight view. Um, and it's it's kind of a follow-on. If you remember my um, curried scurry poem, this is uh, the bird. The bird is back again. So it's reasonably long. I don't think it's as long as John's. And it's kind of more rooted in reality, but I absolutely loved what he did there. That was wild. Anyway, here we go. I'd say this is actually a work in progress as well, because it's 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 only in like written form at the moment. It's not been typed. And I probably wrote it a year and a half ago now, definitely before COVID. So here we go. And just to give you a wee bit of context, in Aberdeen, um, the Castle Gate is the old historical centre. And there's a big a sandstone market cross slap in the middle of it. And a lot of the uh, homeless, drunks, and other sort of uh, outcasts of the sheriff court across the road uh, hang about there, um, especially in the morning when they've just been booted out uh, um, the police cells because police station is just behind the town townhouse. So it gives you a bit of context there. Anywho, scurries. 
Uh, Scurry is our local, well, it's a Peterhead word. It's not so much used in Aberdeen, but Scurry is actually from Norse. Scorry is Shetlanders use it as well. It's word for a herring and seagull. Okay, so here we go. And they're also infamous for stealing your food in Aberdeen. They, they, they are furry feathered terrorists. So here we go. Enough. Hemin, he's your chips, said the scurry, flapping his fight wings. He's a bit of fish and ah, I'm starving, he squawks. No, gaff, you're not getting. One best or some of their buddy. This is how I've got left till the morn, you greedy big hunger. Just a chip, man, eh? My wame thinks my throat's been cut. Nay a bag of chips or an ice cream cone to be found in the hail of Tory. Get off, you fleeing rat. I ken your type, a gurning for scran. Well, nay me, bird. I'm worse off than you. Muckle gape at piss bothering me. You got chips, manny. Can't be doing all that bad. What do you think? But div you can, you muckle scurry. Fan can fucking flee to other earths and mug folk for their sandwiches. A great feathered terrorist, are ye? I saw it all day in Union Street begging for a few pence, enough to get a poke of chips and a can of juice for my dinner. Near four course Athol high tea for me, just chips and a newspaper. Till I gone to the dole, and they'll say, name and address, sir. And yet again, I answer, Alexander Innes, or no fixed abode. You can't register for benefits, sir, without a permanent address. You have no legal status. You're a non-person who cannot gain financial aid. Sign, I'm going to the soup kitchen and hope for the best. A puckly coins to get my mug or het tea and a bowl of steaming porridge. Nay wings to mark my escape, scurry. So, nay chips to spare. The scurry look at the money. And ah, his yarded rags, leaking soles and teen pockets. He was maybe fifty odd, but much older, a hint the bloodshot hazy Eden. Well, this is nae greed enough, Manny. You can't starve. And I thought men look at after each other. But a start sad state of affairs that you're nae, that you've nae hame. But I can lodge in barns, garages, and team houses. Cause nobody notices a scurry. Leave to me, men. I wanna see you stuck. And like the grey and to the grey skies he took, determined to help the peer tramp whatever way he could. And I said finished his chips or the scurry come back. But the seabird was not alone. He was chased by a very angry dame in a Salvation Army uniform. Sam Scurry, you come back with my hat. This is the thanks I get for feeding you, you muckle thieving brute, she cried, as the scurry dropped her work's cup at the surprised Innes's feet. Tell ye I'd sort you, Manny. Here's the vera dog, a Sally Army quite. She's my freebie. I can't I could bring her running, Scurry squawked to his new companion, as the dame look at doing it in us. He dusted off the hat and gave it to her. I don't think Sammy meant on a herm, dearie. He saw that I was in need. I reckon pretty meant to dee, but you're a sick for Serene, I'm sure, to alone doing on his luck. 
Fine looked at Innes and doing a scurry, Sam. Oh, me? You're nae a thief, Sammy. You're a feathered messenger of mercy indeed. Sammy laughed and flapped his fight wings. See, Manny, seagulls is nae bad things. I can't... <sighs> can hardly read men writing. I can I try to scrun your dinner. But no, I can you appear and nout me despair. I've brought answer to your prayers. Somebody that can help. I swear he's speaking. He's a smart wee chill, said the quine to Innes as Sammy danced a boot. Aye, fair than you'll ever ken. I've holes jined rune with leather that pass for sheen. My jacket lets in every gale. If you can put a roof o'er my heed, for even a nicht, forever grateful I'll be. Oh, but we'll deem mere than that, I'm sure. Nobody has turned a waff for the Salvation Army. General Booth determined that. And it seems our scurry freen kent at this. A smirt chiller ye, Sam Scurry. And I thank you, Muckle, for helping a fellow critter in need, Innes said as the scurry hopped onto his lap. Ah, just cause you tell me your story. That would gar a glass e to weep. I'm not a bad soul, but ever folk make believe. Just next time, eat my chip, for I'm hungry. One good turn deserves another. I'm sure you've heard folks say. Innes did the gull a friendly clappy on his soft feathery back. You're an angel in disguise, Sam Scurry. But would it kent it? Innes looked up at the Sally Army dame, but Jalou's bird and man could commune. He kept scrunning my chips. I knew he's brought me aid. Well, God moves in mysterious wise, the hymn writer said. So of course, he sent an Aberdeen Scurry to do his sovereign will. Let's get you back to the citadel for some mate and warm clays. Aye, and praise the Lord for sending a scurry all drunken in us to save. There you go. <laughs> yay, I'm going to use the word muckle now. Muckle. Excellent. Yay. 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 <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> I'm going to use the word muckle in my life now. It's Pam's turn. Pam is oh, down. it's my turn. I was gonna say I'm gonna use the word "muckle" in my life now. I'm excited about that. Uh, about that word. I have no idea what it means, but I assumed from it means big, big, big muckle. muckle. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. That was wonderful. That was that was super fun. Uh, so last week we did it, or last two weeks ago we did an ekphrasis on a picture, and I didn't get to read mine, and I wanted to read it. And it said smells good. And so it's funny. I have a poem I wrote long ago called God Smells Good, but this is a different poem. I'm going to read both. the both, both really short. Okay. Smells good. Half of this garbage smells good. Even if the empty toilet of a world dangles toward a frayed electric cord. God smells good. It must. But look at the birds of the sky. Are we no better than birds? But birds are better. The hubris of man judges wrong just because we can. Negating the thoughts of birds isn't simple better. Ironing boards, a broken chair. Are we better than birds because of judgment? How dare this bird judge me? Cast the first stone, hit a bird and eat it. 
to show your better. How good his flesh smells, roasting on the open fire of sticks, turning on a spit. Smells good. Yay. So that was from last week. Yay. Um, and I wrote this one um, a long time ago, but um, it's called God Smells Good. And it's also super short. A homeless man accused me of not caring. Is caring different than love? They say love is 90% smell. It's hard to love people who smell bad. <laughs> I usually love bad people. People who have been to jail or who are jailed by their mother's memory. My badass mother did neither. Neither finger would scan when I was bad. My prints wouldn't show in jail. The uniforms showed they didn't care. I didn't call my mother. My mother is unusually affected by smells. She wouldn't sit behind the garlic man in church. It reeks from his pores, she under breath accused. God, who wants the best garlic tapenade, loves him. How do you affect love? Neither God nor my mother care. I want the best smells. It's hard to smell people who love bad. Okay. Yay! That's my stuff today. Yay! Yay. Wonderful. Yay, thank you. Yay. Pam, that jacket looks like something the queen would wear. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I'm doing the <laughs> long skirt or the short shorts long... Real. Short skirt, long jacket thing today because I have a big show tonight. And I was like, oh, and I got big girl shoes on, too. Check these out. Whoa. whoa. Oh, my God. I know. That's amazing. Thank you. I can't. I'm so sick of, like, having clothes in my closet and nowhere to fucking wear them. <laughs> it's really well, we're, annoying. We're in orange now. We're in level orange, whatever that means, which means... We can have some inside dining. Outside dining can be bigger. People don't have to buy food when they buy alcohol anymore. I don't know why they made that rule, but San Francisco's like coming back. Wow. Yeah. So jealous. I know. You should be. I know. <laughs> okay, wait. So AJ was after Pam. If I am correct. But I shouldn't mute myself before I actually Please. get. Yeah, there we go. Okay, now I can mute myself. Okay. Hi. Um, so we were talking about um, about form during the break um, because of Erin's haiku um, sequence, um, and I was. It, I find that kind of, you know that. I was gonna I was gonna do this anyway, but I think it's it's even more interesting in light of that because this is a poem that I wrote back in 2015, um, and at the, and it was it's a poem about how things seemed quite bad uh, at the time, and obviously now, um, if anything, things seem kind of worse. Um, it ends with a reference to a newspaper headline um, that came out. Um, around about, I think, the war in Syria, uh, which refers to David Cameron. And it's written in sapphic stanzas because it's 
based on and uses elements of uh, a particular poem by Sappho, uh, usually referred to as the Anactorian poem. Um, and this is um, based particularly on uh, Richard Lattimore's translation of that poem, um, partly because I hadn't read Anne Carson's translation in uh, If Not Winter at the point I wrote this. So uh, this is Sapphic, um, 8th of September, 2015. What of all things beneath the sun is fairest, thousands on foot, or the ships sent to take them to some other island, city or border, unsettled, dispersed. Perhaps you think a fence the fairest thing seen, a thing of razor wire and steel, sun gleaming, its checkpoints manned, all processed in good order. Perhaps bolt cutters, a dinghy to go over water to land, papers, who this desperate cares if they are forged or genuine, hope lights on what it can, to bombs, what's law? Perhaps to you, an antiseptic kill, a drone's hellfire payload, deployed cleanly by a joystick fondled in an air-conned room in Lincoln, Better? I say the hand that reaches for another is more fair than marching troops or battleships. White work it should be to make this plain to see. Would that it were. But people call in the name of drowned children for bombs. People say our emptying land is full and praise our leader when he kills by fiat. Wham, bam, thank you, Cam. And yeah, and, and obviously, you know, since then, I, I wrote that after the, um, in response to the 2015 migrant crisis, and obviously, you know, since then, the status of uh, migrants in the UK has got even worse. Um, so, yeah. Um, what are you going to do? Anyway, um, thank you. Thanks. You're welcome, as always. By the way, I think you're looking beautiful tonight, darling. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Just saying. <laughs> um, wait, who did we have after AJ? Was it Silly? Or Beth? Oh, Beth. Did, okay, wait. Pam, I have a question for you. When are we unplugging? Oh, um, we can go until four. I mean, it depends how late people, I mean, your time is different than mine. We're, this particular podcast goes from two to four, so we're absolutely fine, depending on how late y'all want to stay up. Okay. I think that, wait, we will go, Stilly, you wanted to read, right? Go, Ila. There you yes, go. yes, it's I do, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I need to screen share. Oh, that's right. Oh, I need to make you, um, nobody cares about my screen. 
And now we're looking at the mutinyradio.fm.sf. This is the CPCL Choose Poetry, Choose Life open mic. Doing it today. I can only apologize for everyone seeing my my real name tonight. I know it's very disturbing for many people. I have to witness that truly atrocious name. I have PTSD now. You're going to have to pay for counseling. Well, maybe some funny cartoons would be a good therapy. <laughs> well, that's all I've got. So, right, I only finished this um, uh, um, yesterday. So, um, so yeah. So you're going to be the first people ever to have seen it. I haven't really rehearsed it very well, um, but it's it's brand new. I haven't even written it in my big book of crap. Um, so you're going to have to see it for its uh, how it is. So lots of feedback today tonight. Usually, you know. Doesn't matter because they're finished. I can't change them. So um, here we go. So this one is called Oh flipping heck, look how organized. Uh, this one is called The Looming Problem. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> Standing on a broken crate box, shouting to the gathered crowd, Edward Dork called to his comrades with a voice direct and loud. Workers' rights had been forgotten. Mankind displaced by machines. Violence was the only option. Take control by any means. Hungry workers cheered their leader, angry with their lives so tough. From the back, they heard a voice cry, it is simply not enough. Factory owners needed lessons. Spinning jennies must be smashed, like the donkey-powered shuttle. Puddling Nancys must be trashed. Crush the Arkwright auto handloom. Grind the seed drills in the dust. Burn the stocking frames to ashes. Let the foundries age with rust. Angry workers kept on cheering. Down with all this modern stuff. From the back, they heard the voice cry, it is still just not enough. Edward Dork screamed to the masses, arm yourselves and by my side, we will break the textile factories, make the owners run and hide. Many souls have been imprisoned, many more will starve to death. Join with me to save your children, we will fight with our last breath. Not enough, the voice repeated. Dork exploded, who is that? From the crowd out stepped a fellow, smiling like a diplomat. What you need are better methods. Fight the system fire with fire. Arm yourself with modern weapons from a guaranteed supplier. Here we have the very latest in destruction expertise. The new improved Luditomatic smashes all machines with ease. The NIL has two settings. Number one is the slow crush. Next comes the obliterator when you riot in a rush. Grinding looms up into sawdust takes an hour or maybe more. This machine just takes two minutes. That's a deal you can't ignore. Models all come with instructions and a two-year guarantee and a perfect safety record, lest you own a factory. Gentlemen, this is the future. With such easy loans to pay, you will love Luditomatic. Test one for a smash today. On that day, saw 20 orders on the revolution spun. After all, you can't stop progress or the profits made from one. Thank you. <laughs> I had to let my cat in the window. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> 
That's your short one, Hostily. Three minutes. Three bloody minutes. All you <laughs> poetry hosts saying three minutes. All you've got is three minutes. Mm. <laughs> Haikus, bollocks. <laughs> bollocks the haikus. Haikus, stick up with your ass. I'll write you a haiku. You're really short and you can. <laughs> um, okay, so next we have all the. I don't. Australia's huge. Australia is huge. Um, where in Australia are you from, Skylar? As soon as I can find you. There you are. I'm from Hello. Perth in Western Hi. Australia. Okay. It's huge. <laughs> it is huge. <laughs> but yeah, Hi. I'm on the west I'm on the west coast. So someone mentioned right at the start that um wherever they were was a really clever state because they don't do the time changing daylight saving thing and nor does WA. So Anyway, so I thought that this event started at three o'clock this morning for me and it started at four, so <laughs> that was fun. <sighs> so, yeah, all of you just stop changing your time zones because it's difficult. All right, poem. I don't know. I've written so much new, sh new shit lately that I've kind of lost track of what, I've, what I should even read. But anyway, I'm going with this one. It's called Exposed. If the world is a reflection, is the need to be objectified what us women are craving inside? When we head to the outside, feeling the need to justify wearing what makes us feel great, should we hesitate? Change to accommodate the lust of men, which we are told cannot be controlled. I mean, do we really want to be the instigators of their uncontrolled behaviours when there's no one around to save us? And even if there was, they'd still blame us because they forewarned us they can't be held responsible for what inside of them is uncontrollable. If we choose to wear the short skirt tonight that daddy told us we should not wear tonight, but we just turned his words into a fight, then took flight, telling him he had no right to tell us what to wear, does that make us fair game in a game we don't even want to play? Do we need to assume that there are still guys out there automatically assuming what we wear is there solely to entice and ensnare, that our vampish makeup and long hair is there solely for their benefit? Like, really? Who still thinks that? Is it our responsibility to take responsibility for estimating the probability of whether an outbreak of toxic masculinity is going to ruin our evening? Are we going out for a session or staying in for a maths lesson? It sometimes seems to me that within this topic of sexual culpability, there is a belief women are primarily always at fault when receiving unwanted attention, yet in situations where full consent is given, we can find ourselves in the juxtaposition of being told the level of pleasure given was controlled solely by the giver who had full control the whole time over the foreplay and the fucking. I mean, not more all men are predators. Some turn on their gentleman meters, proving that control is not outside of achievable parameters. And while we are myth-busting these outdated sexual assumptions, let me just say there are plenty of women who enjoy a good fucking and are just as prone to feeling lust that fills outside of their control. But dare I say it, in some ways, we are the weaker sex. And where a no means a no if a man says it, when a woman does, it can be coerced into a yes or sometimes even worse, assumed to be a yes because she had the nerve to turn up in a dress that hugged at all her curves. My point with all this venting is it's not the fucking 1920s. We are not here solely to please. Pleasing ourselves is a new thing. We will wear any damn thing and it means nothing about nothing about anything you think it might mean. We simply mean to dress how we please. 
And we should not have to request you allow us to feel at ease instead of a feeling like pieces of meat to be consumed against our will. We are not seeking for you to seek to take your fill. Fill your wank banks to full of fantasies of us if you must, but unless you tell us specifically we want to fuck in a sentence constructed of the words, I want to fuck, best you start assuming no assumptions can be made based on the clothes or environment we are choosing and realising and realise that sometimes it's just ourselves we are seducing. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Skylar. Or is that is that is it just the one? Or do I feel so empowered now. <laughs> well, I do have more, but I appreciate that we're probably running out of time, so I can just leave it there, unless oh, people cool. specifically wanted something. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking like there, Louise is here. Did you want to go, Louise? No, she's like, nah! <laughs> um, there's Bart. Did you want to go, Carolyn? Anybody? I think you should go again until these people make up their minds. The damn minds. Okay. No <laughs> but worries. If you're, well you know, if you're like not, if you're just, if you're not like, into performing on demand although as no, you can see yeah people are cheering for more Skylar <laughs> okay <laughs> um well I just wrote a new one um today um I don't know so basically yeah I'm just gonna read it and it will probably just speak for itself um it's called safe spaces uh, let me just get it oh Okay, um, I, Skylar J. Winter, am the alter ego reflection of a woman too raw to face the world without the protection of a mindset projection. I'm not an enigma or a woman of mystery. I'm the construct of fear only, a tool used to give a woman not brave enough space enough to let out all her fucked up. There is no kind of trickery. I am her, she is me, but some things are not for everyone to see. Some things require privacy, which is why you only see the Skylar side of me. It should not be a prerequisite. Sorry. It should not be a prerequisite every time I attend an event to announce that the person behind me who you don't see has kids and is married. I should not have to think about the safety of my privacy or worry about it being in jeopardy any time a new friend wants to private message me. I should not have to stop and rethink any reply that comes naturally as a response to helping someone with an inquiry in case it will be taken as an invitation for increased familiarity. This journey into creativity is for her and me. In creating me, she has set a boundary, making personal things and family out of bounds, which is bound to compound the curiosity of some. But do not think that just because this room in Zoom keeps us all in our separate boxes that I will feel safe regardless of how you behave or what you say in messages behind the scenes. Check yourself. Have I given any indication that I wish to engage in something more than friendly connection? Here's a suggestion. Instead of wasting my time with a question requiring an answer that you have no interest in and then following it up with something suspiciously suggestive but not completely transparent, why not just hit me with something blatant like, are you married? Or would you be interested in getting to know me? Anything really that I can reply to politely instead of being faced with a growing sense of discomfort and fear in my stomach because I was taught to keep my mouth shut rather than stand up for myself. For some of us, Zoom is the only safe space in our day. 
Think about that before you thoughtlessly take our safety net away. Ponder on the fact that if it is someone's right to show up and enjoy the show without worrying that what they wear or how they do their hair is going to distract you from why we are here. Here, let me remind you, it's for poetry, not preying on me as though I am prey instead of a person. Some days, the things that get me through is knowing I have an event in Zoom where I can see members of my poetry family. So if you think your attempts to be suggestive will in some way, in some strange way, impress me, then no, I do not receive your gestures as flattery. There is no sense for me that you are being complimentary. I feel unsafe, worthless and dirty. As though you are seeing only an outer shell that appeals, not an intelligent human being who has to deal most days with trying to heal the trauma that life thought to deal with. Check yourself at the door because when you enter this space created as a safe space for artists to share, you have no idea the path they have trodden, what their story is or how your behaviour will affect them. I do not wish to be faced with having to give up spaces where my tendency to shallow breathe as my heart races has no place. I want to know I can check that at the door and just be without fear for an hour or more. So please control your urge to give into your urges and focus only on the words of every vulnerable poet who shows up looking for a safe space to be. I think the unanimous verdict on that is fuck yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> it's only been recently I've been connecting with other women on in the Zoom poetry community and realizing like like that it was a little bit more prevalent than, than I thought. Um, but anyways, so um, I guess in that case, Pam, we can turn off. Yeah. Are we, is that everybody? What about, uh, great. Hey, thanks everybody. Oh, I have to be unmuted to talk to you. I was talking on the radio. That was um, a great and beautiful and wonderful the entire day. What a fun time. I can't uh, wait for our next one. Thanks everybody and Aaron. And I can't wait for the next scratch poetry thing too, to hear everybody's new work. And it's not just, it's going to, next week it's going to be AJ McKenna and John Wessick and Bart Bresniak. So there Rad. you go. I probably said his last name wrong. Well, thank but you all. Anyway. And I'll be putting the podcast in. Not next week. The week, sorry, the week after. Well, <laughs> we do every other week. So, yeah. But um, thanks. <laughs> and uh, uh, great. I'll see everybody next time. Yay. Bye, everybody. Well, have a good show tonight, Pam. Thank you. That's right. I do have a show tonight. Uh, everybody go to Atlas. Um, no, Atlas is Saturday. I'm sorry. I'm such a, I have, I'm booking so many shows now. It's like impossible to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Uh, tonight is Asiento, 21st and Bryant. Great lineup every week. Uh, Friday is here outside the station, six o'clock on the street. Saturday, two o'clock, Atlas Cafe. And it's still, there's still time to get your tickets for the six or 8 o'clock show. It's almost sold out, uh, the 8 o'clock show, to see how Sparks, and I get to open for him this weekend. It's really exciting. Also, next week, the first, on the first, the Fools of April at Bar on Dolores. New venue for me. Super excited. New venue for Mutiny Radio. So now there's four weekly shows that I'm booking. Dear God. All right.
Everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Wear your masks. Bye. Dude. Night, Mario, Paul said. He started off toward the shuttle. Then he stopped, reached in his pocket, and flipped a half dollar over the counter. Mario caught the big coin. I'll take the Sunday Times, Paul said, and picked up the newspaper. Hey, wait, Mario called after him. 
It's only 25 cents. You've got a quarter coming. But Paul was already in the car. The door slid closed. He smiled and waved through the window. With a lurch, the train moved off, its lights glimmering away through the darkness. Tucker Mouse smiled too. He liked Paul. In fact, he liked anybody who was nice to Mario. But it was late now. Time to crawl back to his comfortable niche in the wall and go to sleep. Even a mouse who lives in the subway station in Times Square has to sleep sometime. And Tucker had a big day planned for tomorrow, collecting things for his home and snapping up bits of food that fell from the lunch counters all over the station. He was just about to turn into the drain pipe when he heard a very strange sound. Now, Tucker Mouse had heard almost all the sounds that can be heard in New York City. He had heard the rumble of subway trains and the shriek their iron wheels make when they go around the corner. From above, through the iron grills that open onto the streets, he had heard the thrumming of the rubber tires of automobiles and the hooting of their horns and the howling of their brakes. And he had heard the babble of voices when the station was full of human beings and the barking of the dogs that some of them had on leashes. Birds, the pigeons of New York, and cats, and even the high purring of airplanes above the city Tucker had heard. But in all his days, and on all his journeys through the greatest city in the world, Tucker had never heard a sound quite like this one. For several minutes, there was only the whispering silence. Whatever it was that was making the sound had heard him coming and was quiet. Silently, Mario waited. Then he heard it again, rising from a pile of waste papers and soot that had blown against the concrete wall. He went down and very gently began to lift off the papers. One by one, he inspected them and laid them to one side. Down near the bottom, the papers became dirtier and dirtier. Mario reached the floor. He began to feel with his hands through the dust and soot, and wedged in a crack under all the refuse, he found what he'd been looking for. It was a little insect, about an inch long and covered with dirt. It had six legs, two long antennae on its head, and what seemed to be a pair of wings folded on its back. Holding his discovery as carefully as his fingers could, Mario lifted the insect up and rested him in the palm of his hand. A cricket, he exclaimed. Keeping his cupped hand very steady, Mario walked back to the newsstand. The cricket didn't move, and he didn't make that little musical noise anymore. He just lay perfectly still, as if he were sleeping or frightened to death. Mario pulled out a Kleenex and laid the cricket on it. Then he took another and started to dust him off. Ever so softly, he tapped the hard black shell and the antennae and legs and wings. Gradually, the dirt that had collected on the insect fell away, 
His true color was still black, but now it had a bright, glossy sheen.
Thank you.